The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this um, ability to recognize the difference between body and mind, between physical experience and mental experience, is actually pretty important for our uh, growth of wisdom. Because if we are interpreting our experience as something other than it is, there's confusion in the mind. And it's not seeing things clearly. So uh, I want to highlight one in particular right now, and that is this aspect of recognizing. So there's sound and there's train. So the sound is one thing, and the recognition, the function of recognizing that, the mind identifying it, is another process at work. And um, it's a useful process. It's an incredibly useful process. It helps our minds be able to navigate the world with ease, I uh, you know I, I read somewhere that you know if we had to do the processing work to figure out what everything was, we'd be exhausted all the time. I mean, I think that's what I understand. That's part of why babies sleep so much. You know, they're taking in information new and figuring out these patterns and making these connections, and it's exhausting. And so we've learned these things, and instantly our mind can go from the sound to the idea. So it's really useful. And yet what happens in that process, and the Buddha highlighted this place of recognizing something as being a key place where confusion can enter the mind. So he doesn't say it's, uh, you know, he doesn't say that we should stop trying to recognize things, but he points out to us we need to know that this is perception and begin to recognize when ideas and views and thoughts and beliefs connected to that perception are coming in and influencing the mind. Because this is a big piece of how and why we, we struggle and, and suffer, is that we kind of, uh, you know, so we, we have relationships, we have connections with everything that we perceive. So trains, a train's a relatively neutral thing for many of us. Um, and so that perception... You know, there's, but there's, but there's um, maybe some history connected with those perceptions. You know, remembering in a way when we call up a recognition of a perception, there's the emotional connection with that as well, or maybe experiences that we've had in relationship to that that object that come in and influence our uh, the way we're recognizing the experience, and so. Um, you know, the, the sound, at one point, the motorcycle went by. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw it as an image, almost the receding image of a motorcycle. And then there's a little bit of a kind of a, an attitude connected with the idea of the kind of person I think rides motorcycles. So there's, there's a little bit of extra in there that without being clear that this is a perception and these are the views that are coming with that perception, that can get overlaid on the experience. And then we start assuming, in in some ways we assume that we're receiving information just exactly like we're cameras and and like we're, um, you know, microphones taking in sights and sounds. You know, we, we, we kind of feel like that's the way we're navigating the world. But we're actually very much navigating the world through our 
ideas related to our perceptions. And, and the, the Buddha pointed to this as a key place where suffering comes in. Because of those ideas, those views, we have interpretations of the experience. We think things should be one way or another way. Rather than recognizing some of what's coming in here are these historical views and ideas that I'm carrying along with these with these concepts. And so this is a piece of um, the investigation or the kind of the curiosity of meeting our experience as human experience. This is part of what we can begin to recognize that we all have these processes at work and we all have different views and ideas and opinions about the, uh, the concepts and the perceptions that we have. And, th- and this too is a big place where conflict happens in our world. That people are coming in with perceptions and concepts. And there's one, there's one quote that the Buddha used. Uh, one of my favorite quotes in the suttas. It's, those people attached to perception and views roam the world offending people. This is... Essentially, you know, we, we take our perceptions and our views to be fact rather than views. And so this is a place where it's really helpful to begin to recognize the difference between a sound and a perception and the views about the perception. Because so much conflict arises in the world right in this little crux of something very familiar and normal happening in the mind when we don't see it, when we're not aware of it. And so this morning, or I think it was this morning I mentioned, you know, meeting, just meeting experience. It's like, you know, we sit down and we just turn to our human experience and it seems so mundane. It's like, well, what's good of, of noticing hearing or, you know, just hearing a motorcycle? It's like, well, this begins to help inform us as to how our minds work and where we are bringing in an overlay, something that's not actually in the experience, but is in our minds, and how that affects relationships, how that affects our, um, even, even something as simple as whether, that motorcycle, for instance, you know, some people hearing that motorcycle, it might seem like a pleasant experience because of associations. For some people, it might seem unpleasant because of associations. It's not inherent in the motorcycle, the sound. It's in our relationships, in our conditioning, in our um, what we've experienced so far that creates these uh, relationships and perceptions. So even something as simple as hearing a train can reveal this kind of thing. So this is, and it's also a support for training us to begin to recognize these processes as they're just happening all the time. These processes around perceiving and feeling and um, recognizing experience, that's, it's, it's happening all the time. And when we're not aware of it, views and ideas and opinions, delusion can slip in and misinform us about what's going on. So that's, that's just a piece I wanted to, to offer this afternoon. And there's a little bit of time for comments or questions about this at this point, if there's any, any reflections or questions. Um, 
about this or about anything you've experienced in the day so far, anything you have questions about. Yeah, Akumi. That, uh, about this, but I, it's just a question that rose. Relationship and conditioning are all the relationship uh, that we relate to is condition. Yes. Yes, there's a, the, the, the way we, like the sound of that motorcycle, how I am in response to that motorcycle, it's not just pure in this moment, it's got a whole bunch of baggage. It's, it's, there's a lot of conditioning behind that. And, and maybe the very first time I um, saw or experienced a motorcycle was very, a very big impression on me, and that kind of shaped every motorcycle experience I had since then. So yes, there's a huge connection between conditioning. And that's another thing that gets revealed here. Sometimes as we see something, you know, this can happen too. We can, we can um, you know, hear something or see something, and then recognize that not only um, are we hearing or seeing that thing, but that there's a, a, a memory that's coming in with that experience. So maybe you're, you're you know, walking down the street and you see somebody that you don't know, you know, just somebody walking down the street, and immediately there's a sense of, I don't like that person. You know, it may be that there's, and, and probably there's some kind of conditioning there, Something about the way that person is standing or the shape of their body or the length and color of their hair, something about that is connected to a memory where there was something painful or something hurtful that happened. And so our minds take that memory and apply it to this situation and immediately there's this like, don't go, don't like that person. Even though there's nothing about that person really that's relevant in that it, it's it's all history, and so sometimes we can see that in, in meditation. I've seen at times when there's a there's um, an experience that arises. Sometimes I've seen the the perception arising, and then sometimes I see uh, like the, the the thoughts or the connections from history also arising. I saw this to some extent around some of my patterns of. Um, uh, difficult patterns of um, self-hatred. You know, when I found the the, um, the self-hatred arising, sometimes I could see experiences from history coming in, memories on the playground, you know, that were shaping. And, and it's like, oh, there's a connection between that memory on the playground and what I'm experiencing right now. That's some of how this is being put together right now. So, so there is a way of this observing of these different processes at work that helps us to understand that, that our experience is conditioned, that it's not just some pure thing in this moment, but very much put together and constructed. And seeing that conditioned nature of experience is actually pretty powerful. It, it helps us to recognize the, um, you know, just the way in which things have unfolded in our lives. In a way, it's a, it's a teaching on the not-self understanding. It's like, this is what's happened in my history. This is why this is arising right now. I'm not choosing to do this. It's not like I'm saying, yeah, let me think about that and be, be, you know, feel like that person's not a good person to, to be with. It's, that's, not, that's not a conscious thing. It's a conditioned pattern. And so we, as we begin to see it and watch it unfold... Sometimes we begin to get a sense of, oh, I see. It's like, of course this is happening. This isn't my fault. 
And yet it is a responsibility that we have to see it and understand it in this moment. Yeah. So something obvious is also condition. Yes, yes. When I say notice what's obvious in this moment, yes, the thing that's coming up that's obvious, it's not just some random thing. There's a whole set of, uh, you know, like when I walk into a room, this is one kind of, uh, example that sometimes we, we, we use. It's like, when I walk into a room, what, I, what my mind tends to do, because my orientation towards the world somehow in my growing up, in all of my you know, relationships to various things, my orientation towards the world is to look out for things that, that are, are, are kind of dangerous or unpleasant. It's like, that's the way I orient to the world. And so when I walk into a room, the first thing that my mind does is it notices what it doesn't like. That's where it goes. Other people have a different orientation. They might walk into a room for the first time and the first thing that they go to are the things they like. And this is conditioned. It's not random that... You know, we, we each have a kind of orientation along these lines. Some of us will go in, you know, the first things, that the place where our attention seems to be drawn is to the unpleasant. Others of us, it's to, to the pleasant. And some of us, it's kind of more either to the neutral or just not really connecting. One, one story, um, I think it was Sharon Salzberg told that she went traveling with a friend. And Sharon Salzberg is a self-confessed, uh, deluded type, and so the the people who uh, are oriented to the world through delusion as a strategy tend to not really connect necessarily. So they walk into a room and it's kind of like, oh, okay, you're not really like landing on anything in particular. And so Sharon said that she had a friend that she would travel with, and and she said apparently. As a deluded person, I make a great traveling companion because when I walk into the, the room that we're sharing, my friend immediately says, oh, can I have that bed? And Sharon's like, oh, sure. <laughs> and, and her friend is, is like, her friend's either a greedy type or an aversive type. And it's like her friend immediately noticed that bed was next to the window, had the mosquito net that didn't have the holes in it, and that, that she wanted to be there. And Sharon's kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. So, so you know, the, these, these orientations are conditioned into us. So, you know, you might run that experiment in your own mind. So what is your orientation? One teacher at one point asked me, you know, to do, he said, what I'd like you to do is what's called choiceless awareness. You know, don't try to direct your attention. Just open your attention and see, where does the attention land? And he kind of kept prompting me, and what, how about now? Where does the attention land? How about now? Where does the attention land? And so I kept making note of what the attention was landing on. And at the end of a few minutes, he said, so what did you notice? I said, well, I don't think that was very choiceless because everything that my attention landed on was unpleasant. And I know that there's not just unpleasantness in my experience, but that was what was obvious. And so this is what happens, you know, when we sit down and notice what obvi- what's obvious, essentially we are seeing our conditioning at work. So what's obvious is shaped by our history. So even that simple piece of, are you aware what's obvious? You're seeing your conditioning play out. And sometimes, you know, I, I mentioned yesterday, I think that sometimes when there's something obvious that's painful or threatening, our attention kind of gets magnetized there. That's conditioned. 
and we need to at times, you know, so, so sometimes the basic practice is, yeah, just notice what's obvious and we're, we're, we're basically seeing our conditioning play out there. But there are times when the conditioning playing out is more than our mind can, can meet. And so then we do have to um, take some action, step away from those things, see if we can, you know, demagnetize that in ways that I talked about yesterday you know, using the corners, for example, or putting your attention on something neutral to help your mind not just go to what's obvious or just go to what's most easy or, you know, what the, the most clear, easy thing to go to. Sometimes that's not, because the conditioning there is so strong and so um, sticky, it's not always what we want to do. But we, so we need some wisdom about that. We need some wisdom around Note whether we can just notice what's obvious or whether we need to shift our attention. Yeah, yeah, great, thank you. Yeah. I guess, yeah, related to what you were just saying, um, I wonder what your thoughts are. You said, like, yesterday, you said, um, you know, that you know, we learn to be present and be with some, uh, and you know, maybe we can like set something aside without repressing it. Um, and I, I guess like one thing that I'm like wondering about is like you said like you know what we see is conditioned in the meditation. Um, you know, like you know, like maybe you know most of the time in the meditation is spent avoiding the the, the key issue. Um, and like the, you know, there's so many habits of mind that are organized around that, like determined to avoid, yes. you know, experiencing the emotion that want, needs to, that maybe needs to be felt or some or memory or, or whatever it is. And um, like for me, the last couple of days, like I've just been noticing, like most of my time has been spent in this kind of sense of dullness and some physical pain in the body, and like also kind of like a constricted consciousness. Uh-huh. Like it's like mm-hmm. almost like you know, I've 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 experienced you know very you know, easeful, you know, in very open clarity, clear awareness. So I know what it feels like. And I know that I'm not experiencing that. And it, and it feels like I know it's conditioned. Um, and, and I, I think there's kind of a sense of, um, you know, patience with it, but it's also like, it feels like I, I'm just kind of like being patient until that, um, I don't know if it's like a defense mechanism or this, like, just like, blocking response eventually will just tire itself out and then I'll be able to actually see things as they are. Mm-hmm. Or something. Like the delusion will just kind of like tire itself out or something like that. I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts about yeah, that. Yeah, so essentially, you know, what you're pointing to is kind of the opposite strategy rather than the attention kind of being magnetized. It's almost like it's got a repelling magnet. It's like, no, don't go there. And so, you know, how to, how to work with that, essentially. Um, well, what, 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 there's, there's some, some various things to play with there. One, I mean, you're noticing the kind of way your mind is right now. You're noticing the constricted quality. You're noticing the, um, the dullness. And so noticing those things, um, you know, just being with them, first of all, notice your relationship to them. And some of it is a kind of like you're saying being patient, but it sounds a little bit like, what's the right word? it's kind of more like okay I'm willing to put up with that you know it's I can't think of the right word exactly but it's it's not it's not yeah exactly it's not it's but it's not the pure patience there's there's a little bit of a sigh with it (laughs) and so notice that quality a little bit of aversion around that there's a little bit of like 
this is not okay. The practice can't really unfold or deepen here. There's a view there. The practice can't really unfold or deepen here until I can look at that thing. And maybe, maybe not. I mean, I, have, I did describe yesterday that, that, that experience where I had um, looking at a particular quality of anger and realizing can't, can't be with that, needed to put my attention elsewhere, how the pattern eventually just kind of wound itself out um, without ever having looked at it. And so there's a little bit of that kind of view in there that I have to be able to look at it in order for something to transform. So just noticing that. But then another piece, I mean, you are kind of noticing in a way that there's a sense maybe that something else is there that isn't quite, it's almost like there's something out of you, you know, not quite sure what's there, but it feels like there may be something there. And so, you know, first of all, noticing the relationship to what is there, which is this constricted quality, the sense of, okay, well, I guess I don't get enlightened this sitting. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of the way my mind was worked with that stuff. It's like, okay, I, okay. Well, enlightenment's on hold for now. <laughs> and, and so there's that noticing of that relationship. But if you can get to the place where it really has more of the quality of true patience, it's like, yeah, this is what's happening. I am aware of that. Then you might drop in a question, and what else is happening? What else is going on? Not trying to find it, not trying to look for it, but, you know, it really, it, in a way, the, it, it's not, it's not, so there's a kind of, there's a piece of your mind that is pushing, maybe, you know, it, it may be pushing away something. And, you know, if you can meet that quality, not just hang with it and just like, okay, it's almost like sometimes I, f- I would find my mind just almost like put itself into this checked out neutral spaces. Okay, I can be with this. But it's not really investigating or meeting that quality of mm, maybe a little tension or resistance or, or something that feels like it's put, holding something at bay. And so noticing that quality there. Some, if you're really noticing that quality, there might be noticing some fluctuation in it. When we are really clearly with something, it doesn't stay stable for long. And so if something feels like it's stuck and it's stable, if it doesn't feel like there's much change, there's some view or attitude in there that's kind of holding it at that place. And so, you know, checking in, well, what's being believed right now? That's a way into some of the, so I'm offering a few things, you know, what's being believed right now? What else is happening right now? Noticing the attitude around that state and seeing if there can be a true, more true patience with, yeah, this is what's happening right now. Let's see. You know, can there be curiosity about that experience as opposed to kind of, okay, I guess I have to ride this out. It's like whatever's happening, there's something to learn from it. So that, that kind of setting, stepping aside saying, okay, I guess I ride this one out, is almost like your, your mind is saying, this isn't worthy of learning from. And so it's, it's kind of locked it in and it's just waiting for it to pass as opposed to more the curiosity. But there are some of these, these explorations around, you know, okay, well, what else is happening? But if you, if you push that, you know, so there, there can be things in our mind where our mind has basically said, yeah, that's dangerous, you know, that's an that's a, that's a explosive place in the mind and the mind has learned just to not go there. And so we have to be very respectful 
of the the part of the mind that understands, wow, that's an explosive part of the mind, and not try to push our way in. There will be a way and a time where we can meet it, where it can be opened to, but not if we are trying to dive right in. If we're, if, if like you're getting, if if it's out of impatience that you're asking what else is happening right now, you may be like blown away with some kind of like explosion. So there needs to be some respect for the way your mind, so the conditioning of your mind that said, yeah, don't go there. That has been a strategy that your mind has used to kind of protect itself at times. And so take care not to attribute the whole thing to be some problem and, you know, see if there can be a a respect of the pattern, but still a curiosity about it. Like, well, okay, what is there? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So um, we should do another walk. We're a little off schedule again. Let's see. Um, well, let's. Let, it's about three thirty. So let's walk until five of five of four. So about a twenty-five minute walking, and then we'll come back for a, a final shorter sitting in silence. So when you come back in, we'll just sit in silence, and then. Um, We'll have a few minutes at the end for some closing, some closing questions. So see you in a, about 25 minutes.